Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Game three tonight. I'm Luke Wolf. What's up? Ah, game day, Luke. Game day. Are you kidding me? That means fun day. Hopefully. I just came up with that right now. Good one. Game day, fun day. (laughs) How'd you come up with that one so quickly? I just sat around and thought about it, man. (laughs) Wolf's been waiting to use that line all season long. And now here we are, game three, and he bursts out with the game day fun day. You know, years ago, based on these, I used to like to sit around and write an awful lot of stuff. I used to sit around and write a lot of stuff on the game of football. Really loved it. And my favorite, the favorite piece that I ever put together on the game of football was called Rundown. Is fun down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fun down is fun down. <laughs> and it was back when the Cardinals actually had Edron James. And I love the way they were using him right there in rundown situations, of course. And just how profound it was to talk about the blood sport all the way back then in rundown situation, which was, of course, based on as we all know, first and 10, second and one to six. That's classic rundown situation right there. And all the things that they could actually do with Edge, it was so cool. I loved it. It's my favorite piece I ever wrote. And that's the great thing about having Edger and James, too. The guy's not a fumbler, David. They're out of the eye with James, and he gets it off the right side. But then he gets stuck right in the legs at the 41-yard line. And the ball's loose. It's fumbled and picked up by the Bears. Tillman at the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Chicago. Did I just say that? Oh. Oh my goodness. What are you doing, Bell? <laughs> oh, okay. You had that ready to go. You shrugged I, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You need you to walk this right, right into now. It. If you're listening, we didn't talk about this in no. our, our pre-show meeting. No. We, no, didn't we didn't talk about it at all. And bam, right there. I just dropped that out of nowhere. And command and control. She had me in dodgeball the face. quotes queued up yesterday that I know I haven't talked about dodgeball with her, and she just had that lined up ready to go. So you knew what you were walking into. I didn't. Well, no, you should have. <laughs> well, you're right. Maybe I should have, but I didn't know that. Um, just be aware of this now. At some point during this season, I'm guessing you're going to say the word rundown. Okay, rundown. And when you do, I'm going to jump in with fun down. It's okay, going to be cool. six months from now. You're going to be like, what? Where did that come that's from? That's great. In fact, your exact reaction is going to be what? I wrote a piece called Rundown is Fun Down. Rundown. <laughs> that's right. I'll probably bring that up again. <laughs> I'm guessing. I'll be setting you up. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Luke, have I ever told you about Rundown is Fun Down? <laughs> As long as you don't do it again in like 10 minutes, like it's brand new, we're okay. Um, The Suns do play tonight. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, okay. Sun's day go. is fun day. Mm. Fun's day? Sun's day is fun's day. <laughs> I like that kind of. Yeah. Especially the, it. the away nature of the game. I love this. Away games. I always loved it as a player. It was so cool. Just kind of set your context. Get your mind right. You're going into somebody else's village. 
And you're going to have at it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> She's called Los Angeles a village. I, well, it's a slightly bigger it's, village. It's kind yeah. of like that, though. Yeah. It really is. Um, do you know who the Visigoths are? Have you ever read about the Visigoths? Obviously, but you should probably tell the listeners. The Ostrogoths? Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ever, okay, the I'm Houston just, Ostrogoths, right? I, Isn't that their it's name? It's so weird because I, that's the way I would feel when we'd go and we'd go on the road and we'd play somebody else going into their village, right? All of a sudden, these mercenaries coming over the hills. And in wiping out entire villages. Now, again, that's I'm not for that, ladies and gentlemen. Metaphorically speaking, when you got ready to play another team in their stadium, in their city. Oh, I love that. Back to the wall. Oh, Ronnie, look at you, you poor kid. You, you grew up on a dead end street that emptied into a gravel pit. And this is where you belong, right? You were despised by all these people. I, I honestly, I would use that and bury that chip in my heart and go out and play. I've loved playing road games. And the Suns are playing a road game tonight. Well, they're playing two in the span of, I don't know how to do the math on this quickly, but well less than 48 hours. Their game on Saturday will end before their game tonight starts because they start at 7.30 tonight, then 12.30 tip on Saturday. So it's a quick turnaround here. If one team can steal two of these games, I mean, that's that's obviously going to swing things considerably. And because they're so close together, that's a real opportunity. A lot of times in the NBA playoffs, you play a game. Okay, yeah, we played on Saturday, and then you know play again yeah. like, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then you play again the following like Sunday, like that Buck series. The Buck series, they they will not have played Game Three yet. I don't believe by the time the Suns have finished Game Four. So in a series like that, it's kind of like stop, start, start. This one is not that. They're going to jam two games in here in the next like forty one hours, basically, when from tip time tonight. So there's a chance to really carry momentum from game three into game four for sure. Man, I would love this right here if, in fact, the Suns could go into L.A., of course, Staples Center, and come out of there. I mean, what am I saying? Crypto.com. Are you kidding me? Crypto.com. Of course it was crypto. Don't call it Staples Center. Luke, what are you doing? I learned that the hard way when I was there earlier this year. <laughs> like, it's not Staples. That doesn't it's not even Staples exist. Anymore. Are you kidding me right now? I just need to go into their arena base in Orleans and hammer them. You want to send a message? Tonight is a night. Tonight is a night where you can actually do that if you're the Phoenix Suns. The, the Clippers, I don't think the Clippers, anyone who's listened to the show, you, I don't think they fear the Phoenix Suns. I don't. I think they truly do believe they can win this series. You go in tonight and you hammer them, that's going to be a great reminder, a great opportunity right now to do it. Talk about Visigoths moving to a new river. It's one of the reasons why I can't drive past New River, Arizona, on the way to going up north and not think of the Visigoths or the Ostrogoths. Right now, I can't either. Because now all of a sudden the Suns have an opportunity to move to that new river. And hammer the Clippers in Game 3. Tonight, tonight is a great opportunity to go out and remind everybody why FanDuel thinks you're number one in terms of winning the West 
Still, I don't think it's changed even with Denver looking the way they have. Here's Kevin Durant talking about playing in L.A. now. A lot of energy in the building. I expect it to be a physical game from start to finish. I don't expect anything to change as far as their approach. Obviously, you throw schemes and adjustments for as far as just playing hard. and The identity of their team is not going to change over overnight. So, um, so regardless of what building we play in, we're going to get that same energy and effort from them. And that's the same thing we bring, too. So, um, just got to focus on every possession plan extremely hard and see what happens. So I gotta, I have to be honest here with you, Wolf. We're yeah. playing Kevin or Devin later on in the show. Yeah. And I was on just a crazy run when we were doing it in the regular season, 6-1, right. I believe. Over since we've started in the playoffs. Yeah. And now, I don't know. <laughs> like, who, the only reason I bring that up is because the Clippers are probably doing the same thing, right? Like, well, Booker just dropped 38 on us. Don't we kind of have to shift our focus to him? Yeah. Well, no, Kevin right. Durant's right here talking about it, and he'll drop 38 on you if you shift the focus to Booker. Yeah, that's that's the conundrum that the Suns obviously put their opponent in right now. But, man, I, I like what he's talking about. Go out there and play hard. This is the opportunity, Luke. It's the opportunity the Phoenix Suns must seize. You want to you wanna re- reestablish order? To this series, tonight is the night to do it. Yeah. Tonight. You get home court back if you do it. You also, perceptually, I think, really take control of this series. Now, you got to see how the game goes. If you're losing the whole game and you hit a buzzer beater at the end to win, then maybe it doesn't look that way quite as much. But if you lose the first game of the series that everybody kind of thought you were going to win, but then you respond by winning the next two, Everybody shifts right back to, yeah, okay, they were going to win the series. And the first game after a week off is kind of weird, and the Clippers have Kawhi. You can easily write off the first game of the series if the Suns win tonight. If the Clippers win tonight, here we go again. Then you got to get it together in less than 48 hours, and you're still on the road. So much of the time when you do go on the road, speaking of that right there, it really is a situation where you become a lot more introspective, I think, because you know you're you're – not you're not in a situation where everything is going to be as you know it all is not well when you go on the road it immediately puts you on edge and that's why i'm excited to see how the suns come out in that first quarter how they come out we know game one game two that first quarter has not been great very excited to see how the suns come out in this quarter on the road for the first time We'll see. Well, the good thing for the Suns is they haven't played that many games together anyway, so it's not like their routine can be disrupted by going on the road because they've only played 10 games as a group ever. Register to win tickets. See the Foo Fighters October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for event details and your chance to win. When we come back, talking some baseball because, in case you haven't heard, Madison Bumgarner has been DFA'd. We'll react to that next and what it means now going forward for this pitching rotation. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, this uh, this day was starting to seem inevitable. Wolf. Still, though, kind of um, it was seem it was it seeming like it was going to be inevitable. But at the same time, I'm not sure I expected it to go as far as it did today. But in case you have missed it, 
A lot of reports out there that Madison Bumgarner has been DFA'd by the D-backs. So we had Mike Fitzgerald on yesterday. Big Lane Murata had Derek Hall on this morning before the news uh, you know, actually came out. But uh, look, Mike Fitzgerald was great yesterday, but it was it was kind of weird because we had him on during the game. And it was right after Bumgarner had exited the game. So obviously we asked him about it, you know, but you could almost hear in his voice for most of the interview, like something was weighing on him. And you, and you made the point even before we, we had him on, like, hey, they've already won the series. They're in first place. Like, you're not going to win every game, right? Yeah. It felt like there was more to it. And I think there was because specifically you're talking about a guy that for the first 10 years of his career was one of the best pitchers in the last 50 years. But since he's gotten to the D-backs, he just hasn't had it. And so they probably knew at that point, man, it's another bad outing. We're going to we're gonna have to not just move him out of the rotation, DFA'd, like he's not on the team. Yeah. Um, this always gets me fired up, Basinonians. I think of what it was like to support your family and work at a job by playing a game. Um, so personally, immediately, this is my reaction to this. Um, when the game turns into a job, your view of the game changes completely. Makes sense, right? It does. Uh, I think of the end. Uh, I remember what it was like to know in my heart I was done playing a sport that meant so much to me and how it felt like a mini death, so to speak. So it always fires me up and picks at a scab in my soul. Well, I'm assuming... A version of what you just said is why they were so unhappy at the end of that game yesterday because somebody had to go up to Madison Bumgarner, who, again, was... I know it doesn't feel this way if you're a D-backs fan, but 11 years with the Giants, and we can toss the first year out because he you know, he played four games. 11 years with the Giants, what, his ERA was rarely above three. Mm-hmm. His worst year with the Giants was 2019. He had a 3.90 ERA. His best year with the D-backs was nowhere near a 3.90 ERA. Nope. Um, this this uh, this says a lot. Here, I'm first going to play the clip uh, from Mike Fitzgerald. This is when he was on with us yesterday during the game when Bumgarner had just given up seven runs. Yeah, on the whole, um, obviously it hasn't been to the, to the standard that we expect uh, or that Bum expects. Like you said, that Dodger start kind of gives you some reason for, okay, maybe we're turning the corner here. Even the last start, you know, maybe we're a double play away from having that outing look a little different. And then today's outing was obviously rough. Uh, but the, the trust that we have in the coaching staff to continue to look under every rock possible to try to find ways to get him back on track, we have high trust in that. So I know our guys are going to continue to grind, try to find ways to get him back on track and have him help the team. So that was Mike Fitzgerald with us. Then this is Derek Hall on with Bickley Murata this morning. Again, this is before uh, he was DFA'd. Everything is on the table, and I mean that by... You know, I've been really consistent. We've been consistent letting our baseball ops know we're never going to make a decision, just so you know, based on what a guy gets paid. So salary will never come into play and prevent us from making decisions that would improve our our roster, improve our chances to win. So say that first and foremost. Well, turns out uh, that was 100% accurate. Madison Bumgarner's owed up right around $34 million to not play now. So, yeah, and once again, you bring up Mad Bum. I, I wonder how Mad Bum feels about this, Luke. I wonder how he does. I wonder what he's thinking today, right now, as a matter of fact. Does he think it's over? Does no, he know I don't think so. it's over? The dude's 33 years old, Luke. Does he know in his heart it's over? 
because every professional athlete will know that at some point in time, unless you're Brett Favre. (laughs) Or Tom Brady. Um, 33 years old for a pitcher shouldn't be, doesn't have to be it. And maybe next time we talk about this, I'll have a list of pitchers. We'll just go through the top pitchers in baseball. Some of them are right up around 33 years old or, you know, a year or two younger. Um, for whatever reason, Bumgarner really hasn't been right for about four years. So and then you're going back to like 29, 30. Like that's, that's not the end of your career just because of age. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's more to it than this. Maybe he needs a fresh start somewhere else. I think he has to, <laughs> on some level, adjust the way he pitches because early in his career, he was just flat out dominant. And so we see pitchers do this where they have to adjust the type of pitcher they are. Uh, you ask how, how he feels. You know, I'm torn on this. I, I, don't, I don't think it's the wrong decision. I'm not torn in that regard. Uh, you know, I feel for the guy on the one hand. But on the other hand, this is, this is Major League Baseball. It's professional sports. This stuff happens to guys every other day. Yeah, It's just as yeah. bigger news when it happens to Madison Bumgarner. And those other guys don't get paid $34 million yeah. walking out the door, too. More than anything, what this says, Wolf, is the D-backs are not messing around this year. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned $34 million right there. As a former professional athlete, once again, I, I know you're right about this. And somehow, some way, Basinonians, Mad Bum will suck it up. I'm sure he's going to be just fine. I'm sure he's made an awful lot of money, as we all know. And I know that's where our minds go so much of the time. For me, it does not. It's the personal aspect of it. It is a, it's a professional athlete. It's a human being once again. And that's why I wonder what he's thinking right now. Because the worst part of it for me is I believe Mad Bum's going to go somewhere else and find himself. Not that good. I hope he does. Not, not the Dodgers or the Giants or anything. But I mean, yeah, go ahead, find yourself. But like what you're saying, I totally get. But I think they hit the point where it was like, yeah, okay, this 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 is a human being. What do we? But there's how many other human beings on this roster, and he's dragging the team down every every five starts. How about this stat? And I didn't even realize this until I, I saw it in a few places this morning. Okay, yeah, he's got a ten point two six ERA this year. Everybody knew that. But he finished last year on a ten start uh, streak where he had a seven point one two ERA. Yeah. So it's not like it was just like he. If he were a coach, he came into this season on the hot seat basically, and. A couple years ago, I think the D-backs would have just kept running them out there every five starts. Yeah. Or they would have said, hey, you're a middle reliever now. Or, you know, we're going to, we might pull you out of the rotation, but not until August. They looked around and said, uh, you know, we have playoff potential sure. this year. We can't keep punting every five days. Because, well, if it had gotten to the point where it was just an automatic loss. Yeah. No, That's I'm, crazy. I, I understand, Luke. And again, I, I'm talking personally right now. Personally. The Diamondbacks, I, I've, this, this actually kind of fires me up for the Diamondbacks. Uh, when I think of Mad Bum, it fires me up personally because I remember what that was like to come to the end or near what I thought was the end. And I remember all the emotions that were involved in that. I wonder if Mad Bum feels that way. But after all of that, I think of the Diamondbacks. And for the Diamondbacks, this kind of fires me up because what does it say about the Arizona Diamondbacks and how they feel about this season? They, they're, they're looking at him like, we have to eat this, guys. We have to do this. It's a drag on the clubhouse right now. It is a drag on this team right now. It says an awful lot about the Diamondbacks, I think, and the commitment of the Arizona Diamondbacks and what they think they might have this season. 
So once I get over it personally, professionally, I can look at it clearly and see it. And I'm encouraged by it. Yeah. Well, it, in it, a weird kind of way. There's no way to, to, to read it any other way than, okay, they're willing to pay $34 million and not have it, it, it. They could have buried him in the bullpen for a little bit. Oh, they were like, no, no, easily. we can't afford to throw any games away. And on the age thing, I just I just pulled up quality starts because I think that's probably the best best way to judge a pitcher other than like ERA wins. It's just kind of you know, there's a lot of luck involved. So I'm just looking at the quality start leaders in Major League Baseball right now. Okay, okay. Garrett Cole's 32. Yeah. Marcus Stroman's 31. Clayton Kershaw's 35. Noah Syndergaard's 30. Yeah. So. It's to me. It's not the age thing. There's something else. Thirty three is not that old, especially yes. for a pitcher. Just get this feeling too. Once again, maybe that's what he needs. He needs somebody to look at him, a, a new set of eyes, a new perspective, tweak his delivery, whatever it may be, his mentality. Somebody's going to get a hold of him, and I would expect a couple of productive seasons still for Mad Bomb. Now, the other side of this, and there's been a few people saying this now, that uh, that Tommy Henry will take his next start that was scheduled for Monday. So Tommy Henry, that'll be, if he does that, that'll be his 10th career start. So there's a guy getting the start of his career, basically. And we'll see what he can do with it, because the D-backs obviously now have stockpiled a few good young arms in their farm system, and that probably... That probably forced the issue a little bit, too, right? There's more competition. Yes. Uh, but I think if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you have to be encouraged by the fact that what Derek Hall just said proved to be true. We're not going to keep this guy in the rotation just because of how much he's making. Yeah. And keep these other guys in the minors because they're not making that much. And that is a huge deal right there. And when you stop and think about it again, um, you've got the guy who makes the most money on the team, and he's incapable at this point, at this point of his career, of going out there and putting up zeros. What do we say at the start of the year? If they He's could, a mad king. If if they could get a bounce back from Mad Bum or Cattell Marte, this team would be dangerous. It's going to have to be Cattell Marte now. Who's been, who's been okay? Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What challenges Monty Williams facing finding the right rotation each night in this series? Gave us a little bit of insight into that. We'll play it for you next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. I spent the break looking at Bumgarner's numbers compared, like, historically to D-backs pitchers. Let's just talk about the Suns. Yeah. We can get back into Bumgarner later on the show. Looking at New River the entire break. <laughs> Is that what you were doing over yeah. there? Okay, well. Satellite job. Clears it up. Uh, all right, the uh, the rotation has been, obviously, <laughs> as it typically is going to be in the playoffs. It's no been River! A sport, a this is going to be a weird show, isn't it? Man, it's I live out there in New River. Feels like this is going to be love it, a weird show. And you know what? I got to say this, too. I didn't hear any music coming out of your prep room when I was when I was out yeah, in the newsroom today. I was totally distracted. Yeah. Absolutely distracted this morning. I'm, I'm a little nervous that we didn't hear Metallica or Guns N' Roses or Alice in Chains. Yeah. Or everybody. yeah. Okay, you'll hear it tomorrow. And well, that's, okay, that's fine. Okay. okay. Friday. All right. Well, it's, Friday, Friday, it's Friday. not just a Friday thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually five days yeah, a week. I felt. About that. It was like watching a, a, a closer. Point, it was like a closer coming out on the field that normally has like Enter Sam. Remember Trevor Hoffman <laughs> would have Enter, and, and they just didn't play anything. And he's just walking out there like, what do I do? Yes. Uh, Eddie Johnson joined us yesterday, and he said something about the 
rotation for the Suns that I haven't really heard from anybody else yet. And obviously, Eddie Johnson has a pretty good perspective on this because he was a starter. And then he was a bench guy, as he says right here. He gave us uh, maybe some insight as to why we really haven't seen a whole lot of production off the bench through two games. You know, I don't think any of them has gotten a chance yet. And it's no fault of anybody but the starters. Because the starters have gotten behind early in game. And when the starters get behind early in games, uh, trust me, guys, I was a guy that started early in my career, first six, seven years, and I came off the bench. The rest of my career. And, you know, you depend a lot on the starters when you come off the bench. What do you depend on them for? Get you a lead. Like, or be close in the game. Don't make the climb up the hill tougher when I come in and I've been sitting over there and I'm cold. So the last two games, we've gotten behind. And because of that, the rotations has changed because of the urgency of the moment. Yeah, you know, um, I know what it's like not to be a starter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, me too. I know what that's like right there, not to be a starter. I know what it's like to be part of a package where suddenly you're brought in midstream in a game. And yeah, I, I understand some of those things. But your responsibility is to go out and play your best, period, regardless of what the situation is. So I would have a minor disagreement, I think, with Eddie on that. You know, yeah, you're not always going to have a lead. Guess what? The other guy is good, too. The other team has starters as well. So you've just got to accept whatever fate it is when you come into the game and just go out and ball and do the best you possibly can. Whether you've got a lead or not, I don't know if that should impact how you play. Well, if anything, it's at least impacting the the number of minutes guys are getting. Um, We talked a lot about the first game, and then you go to game two, and they had six bench players play. But, again, what is Damian Lee supposed to do in three minutes? He didn't play poorly or good. (laughs) In three minutes, what are you going to do? What is TJ Warren, of all people, who who can catch fire but sometimes isn't great defensive, what is he supposed to do with two minutes, right? What is Ish Wainwright supposed to do with one minute? Somehow he was a plus two. Now, I'm not saying Monty was wrong. I'm just saying, I mean, they won the game, so (laughs) uh, it's not that. It's just your, your concern would be when you look at Kevin Durant playing 44 minutes and Devin Booker playing 45 minutes. Can they keep doing that? Yeah. Can they do it for this series? Yeah. Can they do it for two months? If I mean, that's your goal, right? Two months. I don't know that you can ask them to play 44 and 45 minutes every night for two months. I, I know. You know, you, you're talking about the guys and some of their minutes and Ish Wainwright and some other guys coming off the bench. And what are you going to do in three minutes for the most part? The thing that I think got a little sideways, too, is just the fact that this game was contested. Game two was contested. Go back to the 302 mark. It's a six point lead for the Phoenix Suns. 115 to 109. Is is that a oh boy, we've got such a comfortable lead right no, it it is not. And because of that, again, I think overall you have to look at the first two games that are being played right now. And the fact the Suns are split one one in this series. Uh, honestly, uh, the Clippers, you could build a case to say the Clippers could have won two games. Mm-hmm. You could build a case to say the Suns could have so won two games, maybe too. you got to go ahead and actually play 45 minutes or 42 minutes. You have to do it. I'm not saying you, you can't do it. I mean, you, you have to do it. You had to win game two. You can't sit there and be like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to wear uh, KD out. Like, okay. <laughs> then you're not going to be playing. So they had to do that. 
I'm just, to me, it's it's a reminder, and you hear this every year in the playoffs, of you want to get through series as quickly as you can for that very reason. Because let's let's just play this out. Let's say they play, let's say they played Philadelphia in the finals. Okay, yeah. I don't think that's who it would be, but let's just say that's the way it played out. And Philadelphia, you know, they they sweep Brooklyn, and the next round goes five games or whatever, and then maybe have a six game series in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're healthy. If the, you know, if the Suns are going six or seven games deep every round, and KD and Booker, KD's played eighty nine minutes in the first two games. It, it's a disadvantage at a certain point. There's nothing you could do about it. You have to play him. You have to win the games. Here's uh, Monty Williams talking about the the potential concern about his depth being an issue in this series. It can be. Um, you know, we hope that over the long haul of the series that we can use our guys properly. But I, I see both sides do it. Uh, they do have a lot of depth. They also have talent. I mean, I've, I've coached a couple of the guys on that team uh, more than that, and I know how good they are. Uh, Eric is a really good player. He's never gotten the credit that he deserves as a basketball player on both ends. And Kawhi is one of the best on the planet. So, uh, but I, I see both sides to the argument. I didn't think Monty could get any more level in his tone. Yeah, right. He just did right there. You know, uh, the web flower, of course, ArizonaSports.com, they, they had this great article. And forgive me, I forgot whose article it was, but it comes up where my concern over the first two games is the fact that the Clippers have soundly outplayed the Phoenix Suns. That That is reinforced. By some of the numbers that the Webflower posted, the Clippers are 21 of 61 from three. The Suns are 16 of 43. The Clippers are 51 of 60 from the line, and the Suns are 39 of 47. They've been better from three. They've been better from the line over the course of two games. They're beating the Suns 27-13 in offensive rebounds through two games, beating them, and 33-22 for second-chance points. Through two games, they've outplayed the Phoenix Suns through two games. Mm-hmm. The series is tied up at 1-1. That's the reason why you've got Book and Kevin Durant playing 45 minutes. That's uh, that's Kellen Olsen's story that's up there right now that you just uh, referenced. He went through the math of this series. And, um, yeah, you're right. The peripheral numbers in this series, if you just saw that, you didn't know who the two teams were. You didn't know anything about any, just just the numbers. You'd be like, oh, okay, this <laughs> you'd probably think the Clippers were up 2-0 in the series. Uh, we come back, but they're not. When we come back, what does Kevin Ray expect to see from the Suns in Game 3 against L.A.? We're going to ask the Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. All right, we will get uh, K-Ray on for a game day with K-Ray. We're going to switch it up here a little bit. We'll brought a bowling here. Okay. This show sheet, this thing you use as, I don't know what you use your show sheet for, <laughs> scratch paper. I'm moving this around, so now it looks, it kind of looks like an RPO right now. That was a kid saving a beauty by you, though. Uh, that was actually Maloney saving the show, as usual. Um, let's go with this. Let's let's look at the uh, the point guard situation for the Phoenix Suns. And that, I guess, now includes... Uh, Devin Booker, if he wants to, uh, if he wants to be part of Point Book, 
Um, let's start with Monty Williams and his update on campaign. Okay, this is Monty Williams from yesterday. How much could campaign do at practice today? Today being yesterday. How's that for confusion? He shot some today, but we didn't. We didn't do a ton today. It's today's one of those days where we just want to smell the gym and, and get back to the hotel. Was that his complete answer on campaign? Uh, yes. I mean, do, do we know that? To something about smelling the gym, and that can was we it. get any type of verification? Yes. Okay. So you guys feel confident that was his answer? That definitely on sounds like right it there. was Monty Williams. Man. Um, okay. Um, you know, listen. This is a hyper aggressive alpha male sport. We all understand that. Sometimes that's the way you're going to talk about somebody. <laughs> Sometimes it is. You're not calling them up. Maybe you're calling them out (laughs) or maybe you're calling them down. I don't know what it is right here, but sometimes that's that's the way you're going to answer a question on somebody. It's going to be very tight and very terse. Yeah, well, that's we haven't seen campaign yet in this series because of a back injury. But you'll recall we didn't see him much in April. Nine minutes against Oklahoma City, seven minutes against Denver. There was a game in there he just didn't even play. Fifteen minutes against the Lakers uh, in the second to the last game. And that, at the time, wasn't supposedly because of an injury. I just wonder how much of a role they anticipate him playing in these playoffs, honestly. Yeah, Right now, it doesn't look like there's any role they anticipate him playing, which is shocking to me. We keep giving the update on, okay, is he quite technically he's officially questionable for tonight. But I just, even if they're like, oh, okay, campaign's good to go, I don't, at this point, expect him playing a lot out of the gate. You know, maybe he gets five minutes and and he does something well, and they're like, okay, maybe you get eight minutes. I don't know. It almost feels like he has to win back. Either Monty's trust or just minutes at this point. Because the thing is, it's great to have Devin Booker on your team. But I think anybody who works anywhere, pretty much any job with other people can relate to this. Look around your office. There's probably somebody there who can do a little bit of everything. And that's great until you aren't doing your job. And then they're like, you know what? We just had uh, Dan from accounting do your job for you. And look how well he did. Yeah, Cam, uh, you know, we were kind of up and down on you at the end of the season, and then you missed the first two games, and Devin Booker just just ran the point in addition to scoring 38 points. So Monty's looking for options, and he definitely found one in Devin Booker. Yeah, you know, again, you go back to the 64-win season, and campaign averaged 22 minutes a game. And, you know, he's averaging over 20 minutes this year yeah. a game. We all know going into the postseason, what was one of the keys for all of us going into the postseason? Okay, boy, that rotation, how important that bench was going to be, and in particular, how important campaign was going to be to the fortunes of the Phoenix Suns in the postseason. And we just have not seen that, obviously, through two games. I'm, so I'm trying to look at this. Um... And again, I get it. His back, they say he's hurt, he's injured. That's fine, but the way he ended the season, to your point, and the questionable nature of campaign is a lot more questionable to me than just his back. The last time he played more than 22 minutes in a game was December 11th. <laughs> so, he was playing a lot. Say that again. But he was playing a lot in November. The last wow. time he played more than 22 minutes in a game was 24 minutes, wow. December 11th, in New Orleans, and the game went to overtime. Oh. So it's a lot. If you look at his 
just his, it's a lot of, hey, seven minutes, okay, he played 14 minutes, then he played eight minutes, okay, then he played 16, or he just didn't play. There's games in there where he didn't play, or he missed time yeah. with injuries, but the last time campaign played more than 22 minutes in a game was December 11th. Oh, I don't think goodness. he's, I don't think he's a big part of their plans going forward. And I, and I thought, in these playoffs, I'm not saying he won't play a role. He's got to get healthy first, but I, I don't, at this point, don't anticipate that when that day comes where they're like, okay, campaign's cleared to play, that he's suddenly going to be out there and playing a huge role. I think he's going to have to earn that back. You know, if you just once again going into this postseason, my brothers, if you told me going into this postseason for the Suns, if you told me a month ago, two months ago, if you told me that campaign would not play a significant role in the bench rotation in the playoffs, uh, 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 you would I, think they were in trouble, <laughs> right? Yeah, you'd be like, okay, well, you, you didn't. Did think you about did that. you trade for somebody? Did exactly you sign right. it? And like, they have what it. did you do? <laughs> what is going on? What are your chances of us having any kind of bench if campaign is not an integral piece of that bench? I, I would not have believed that, and yet here we are right now. And again, I get it through two games, and he's questionable with a bad back. Their point guard. If you just go like traditional point guards on this team, you have Chris Paul. <laughs> that's it. Basically, have Chris Paul, and that's it. Now, fortunately, you've got Book other guys. Is, yeah, Book is going to have to continue to do this. He, I think we're going to see a lot more of Point Book. It, well, and, and here's Kevin Durant on that topic says, "Yeah, okay, but Devin Booker basically is an oversized point guard. I feel like he's a oversized point guard. You know, it's like a guy that can initiate, make plays for others, quick get into the rim, either hand. You know, so he can do pretty much everything at that point guard position. So when he got it, we played a little faster. You know." He, we got so many options with him shooting a three, get to the midi or, or the free throw line. So, uh, you know, we got to continue to explore all of those options. So, here's, yeah. I would say this. I mean, I think we all used to hate the idea of point book because it was from four do. years ago. <laughs> you, you just, <laughs> I still do. I think everybody yeah. did because it, it was four years ago, and it was like, well, yeah, the Suns only have two players, so Booker's got to play th- three positions and score all the points. I liked it a lot better in game two of the series because it was a change of pace. I don't think it works if you have to go to that 35 minutes a night. I think what it is is Chris Paul is very deliberate and he's going to do things his way. And Chris Paul's a little stubborn and he's going to, he's going to move the ball at his pace because it's worked for him for most of his career. But I think that potentially could work when you have point book going much faster. And I think they play off each other, but man, this is not the traditional way to do it. We never backed up Chris Paul. We uh, we have basically one true point guard right now that's playing. We aren't. We're getting out rebounded. The other team's attempting more threes. They're attempting more free throws. You are really relying on being the more talented team right now. Yeah, I worry a little bit with Point Book because of his age, and he's twenty six years old. <laughs> he actually is twenty six. He was twenty five for four years. Think about this, man. That that is an old twenty six. This is his eighth season. In the league. Think about that for a minute. Devin Booker. It feels like he's been in the league for like 25 years. And those first years, there there were some hard, hard years on book. Those first few years. And now all of a sudden you're talking about a guy that has got a lot of wear and tear. And that's what worries me about point book. That's what worries me. That's what concerns me. Putting more of a, a load on his shoulders and whether or not um, that will break him down at some point in time when it matters the most. 
Yeah, I mean it's a fair point. That that's why I always used to hate it. I think it's a it's a necessity right now and, and is potentially a weapon for these playoffs, but you can't just glaze over the fact that you're asking a guy who already does a lot and who then has improved his defense over the last couple of years. Big the, time. The point, his defensive performance in Game 1 was unbelievable. Big time. Now you're also asking him to be the point guard for part of the Game 2. At a certain point, you you can't ask him to do everything. I think you can ask him to do this because I think you have to, and it worked really well. And he's done it before. It's not like Game 2 was the first time he's ever done it because, as you mentioned, the first, what, four or five years of his career were like dog years. Yeah, where, right. He, I think we all aged watching those uh, teams. I'm sure he did playing but he had to play this role before. The interesting thing about Point Book, though, is he's got a nice little two-man game feel with D.A. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. He's got a nice little, yeah, I, I like them on the pick and roll. I like them a lot on that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they develop this, especially in light of campaign in his situation. It is still weird, though. The next time, the next time they're running Point Book, just watch Chris Paul. Especially if you're at the game, whether if you're going to L.A. or, you know, game five here uh, next week. Just watch Chris Paul. Just, you know, running up the floor like, now what do I do? <laughs> like, I don't have the ball. What am I supposed to do? Catch and shoot? Uh, all right. Is the best matchup of the series Kevin Durant versus Kawhi? I can tell you that's what everybody's talking about nationally. And uh, Gilbert Arenas weighed in on it. Wolf, It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.